we are in a sermon series, The God Who Speaks. Um, so I'm going to give a disclaimer that Jordan gave last week, which is this is a series. <clears throat> the first two have already happened, um, and my encouragement would be, if you haven't heard those, to go back and listen, because it's important to know that the series and the sequence, um, the first uh, one of the series was Steve, who talked on Scripture, and God speaks through Scripture. Scripture is our ultimate authority. It's the written Word of God that does not change. It is sufficient for us as believers to know the revealed will of God. And um, Jordan came up the following week, said that Scripture, all of Scripture, points to Jesus. It points to the Messiah, the Old Testament pointing to the Messiah, the New Testament, all about Jesus. And as Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The ultimate revelation of God is the word of God, Jesus, God made flesh, the ultimate communication of God to humans. And so this week, we're going to look at Jesus comes the ultimate revelation of God, God speaking through this person of Jesus, and Jesus points to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus points to the Holy Spirit who speaks. Jesus says in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, and this is an incredible statement, it is to your advantage that I go away. The ultimate revelation of God, Jesus telling his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And so that's going to be my focus this morning. The spirit is the personal, empowering presence of God for all those who've trusted in Jesus, who've received salvation and stepped into life with God. The Holy Spirit is our life with God here and now. But my focus is that the Holy Spirit wants to and does uniquely and specifically communicate directly to the believer, the follower of Jesus. John, said, John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Spirit is more than communication. But my focus is that God wants to speak to us uniquely and specifically as his children in their real lives as we go. I want to share this quote with you by Dallas Willard in a book, Hearing God. If our gospel does not free the individual up for a unique life of spiritual adventure in living with God daily, we simply have not entered fully into the good news that Jesus brought. After our teaching text today in Acts 2, Peter goes on and tells the people that are responding with their hearts, what do we do about this gospel? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the gospel is forgiveness of our sins. It is reconciliation to God. It is escaping the penalty of death because what Garrett talked about, Jesus paid that price for us. So we will not taste death, 
but we will be with God forever. But the good news of the gospel is that he has made it and arranged it so that we are with him now and forever. Now and forever by the Holy Spirit of God. And so I want to talk about how God enters into our specific lives and our specific situations and by his spirit speaks directly to his friends and his children. And I wish I had more time to build this out, but I want to approach this or broach this right now that the spirit speaking to the individual Christian does not undermine scripture. In fact, we look at scripture and the testimony of scripture to see God interacting specifically, uniquely, and individually from Genesis to Revelation with his people. So we look to Scripture, not our own experiences, to see the arrangement God has set up for his people. A quote that directly addresses this issue of the Spirit speaking to the individual Christian undermining Scripture um, is from Henry Blackaby. He wrote extensively on this, and this is, I think, sums it up perfectly. When God speaks... He does not give new revelation about himself that contradicts what he has already revealed in Scripture. Rather, God speaks to give application of his word to the specific circumstances in your life. When God speaks to you, he is not writing a new book of Scripture. Rather, he is applying to your life what he has already said in his word. To me, that's helpful. And what we want to say as a church, so we've practiced this since the church began over 12 years ago, is that the individual believer hearing from the Spirit submits to Scripture. If what the believer is hearing it is submitted under the authority of Scripture, and if it contradicts Scripture, we throw it out. But it's more than that. It's submitted to the character of Jesus. And as Jordan talked about last week, that people and humans have used Scripture to justify their evil purposes all throughout history. But when we look to the character of Jesus and specifically that God most perfectly revealed himself as Jesus hanging on a cross, dying for his enemies, we submit any word unto that to see if it comes into agreement with the character of Jesus. And then one step further, which Jordan is going to touch on next week, this is all done within Christian community. This is not in isolation. This is not lone rangers off on their own hearing from God. All of this is submitted in community. And Ephesians says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're submitted to one another. So any of this communication from the Spirit is submitted to each other. And even the leadership of the church, we operate as five elders, have different roles, but no one elder has authority over the other four. And so even as an elder hearing from the Lord, that's submitted into community of leadership. And if you need more help on this, I'm going to reference a book later and a story, um, but Surprised by the Voice of God by Jack Deere is a wonderful book. If you need more help on this, he was a um, New Testament uh, theologian, uh, seminary professor, Dallas Theological Seminary, and um, he has great information on this and has his own story of God uh, surprised him with his voice. So look that up if you need more help on this. And the last disclaimer is I'm going to share more personal stories than usual this morning. Um, I don't usually want to share the amount that I am going to share this morning, but the reason I want to do that is I, I believe 
what has tended to happen, even against our um, best intentions, is that we begin as conservative Christians who believe the Bible is our authority. We believe everything in the Bible that we read actually happened. It wasn't just an analogy or a metaphor. We can still read Scripture and see these experiences and read them as myths and not as actual experiences that you and I could enter into in our actual lives. And so because we have a tendency to read the experiences of others in Scripture as myth, I want to share some of my own stories. But with that, I also want to say, from the stories I have this morning, I have infinitely more stories that go something like, God was trying to speak to Jake, but he was too distracted, too consumed with his own worries and cares, and he didn't hear him. Or, God did speak to Jake, but what he was asking was too uncomfortable, too hard, and too difficult, so I didn't enter in to the invitation. But those stories aren't worth telling, and that's the point. He wants us to step into a vibrant, interactive adventure with him as we submit to his authority and his spirit in our life. So I submit that to you, and also, this is not about a comparison of stories and is God speaking to me in that way in my life? He will speak however he wants to in your life if you are available and open to him. And if your heart longs to walk with him, he will speak. I'm going to touch this morning on the effect of the voice of the Spirit directly in the believer's life, the foundation of his voice, and also how do we learn to hear his voice this morning. And so, with that, I'm going to pray. And if you're asking yourself, was that just a really long intro? Possibly. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you um, already for the wonderful worship, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence already in this room. Thank you for the beautiful testimony of your kindness and your grace. Thank you that you have defeated sin, Satan, and death. And thank you that by your blood and by your death and resurrection, we are saved in life with you. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us this morning. You long for us. You want us to step further and deeper into relationship with you. I just ask we would be able to receive that from your heart this morning. Holy Spirit, may you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I was 17 years old uh, at, and on a very important journey in my life. Um, uh, and in this moment, in this story, I was at the YMCA, and that journey was to be able to dunk a basketball. And it was a long and arduous journey due to my disability of being not that athletic. Um, but I was trying really hard. And so I spent a lot of time at the YMCA down the road from my house, just trying to grab rim, trying to grab rim. And if you jump enough, you get a little bit higher, a little bit higher, and a little bit higher. So I was approaching that. I was getting there. But the other thing that was happening in my life is I needed some alone time because I was 17, and I felt the weight of the decisions of my life. I felt like where I went to college, if I went to college, what I was supposed to do with the rest of my life hung in the balance. And so I couldn't tell you why, because I didn't grow up in a family um, that taught about this. I grew up in a family that pointed me to Jesus and pointed me to the scriptures, and I'm incredibly thankful for that because I fell in love with Jesus. And as a mess, as a 17-year-old as I was, I loved Jesus, and I wanted to do what he wanted for my life. 
And so as I was trying to dunk a basketball, I was also talking with God. And I, was, and I, for whatever reason, believed I could hear specifically and directly from him for my specific life. I guess I might have believed that because I had my Bible and I had read Scripture. And I knew that he could speak, but I didn't know how or what it would feel like. And I just want to take a moment here into this point to say he can speak in so many different ways. The Holy Spirit speaks through Scripture as he opens up the Word. He speaks through circumstances. He can speak directly into our spirit and to our thoughts, and I'm going to share a lot about that through dreams and visions. But the important thing, again, is that we want to and that we're open. And in that moment, at that YMCA, I was. I saw that from Abraham to Moses, who was said of him, God spoke to him face to face like a friend. In that God brought the prophets and priests and kings, and God spoke through dreams and visions and directly to prophets to lead the Israelite people where they should go, specifically giving them directions on things. And I didn't have it as built out as I do now, but in Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses is saying that the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet from me among you, from your brothers. It is to him you will listen, pointing to Jesus. And then Jesus points to the Holy Spirit who will be given. And that leads us to our teaching text, which is Acts 2, 16 through 18. I'm going to read that. After the Holy Spirit fell, the gift of tongues was given out to this group of people that were praying in the upper room. And everyone comes out to see what is going on here. And Peter stands up and he says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So all through Scripture, God has people who are speaking directly through the prophets to the people of Israel, and then is pointing to Jesus, the ultimate prophet, who walked with God in intimacy, and then he's pointing to the Holy Spirit, said he will come and he will be with you, and he will speak. And now, as the Holy Spirit falls, Peter is interpreting this prophecy from Joel, saying, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, young men, old men, male servants, female servants. New Testament commenter Howard Marshall says, the first and main theme of the prophecy is that God is going to pour out his spirit upon all people, upon all kinds of people not just upon prophets, kings, and priests, as had been the case in the Old Testament. And Moses even said in Numbers 11, are you jealous for my sake that I would prophesy? What? That, the Lord, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. So today I'm not stock talking specifically about prophecy, which interacts in the community of the believers where God is speaking to give you a word for another person. That happens, and Jordan will touch on that, and there's some of that in my stories. But the main point is this, and it's, I think, said 
most clearly by New Testament commenter John Stott. If in its essence, prophecy is God speaking, God making himself known by his word, then certainly the Old Testament expectation was that in the new covenant days, the knowledge of God would be universal. In this sense, all God's people were now prophets, just as they were also priests and kings. As Jeremiah 31 says, they all will know me. And 1 Thessalonians 4 says, you or yourselves will be taught by God. And 1 John says, his anointing teaches you about all things. I didn't have my theology of this built out at 17 years old, but I did have what was necessary, the faith to believe that God actually did want to speak directly to me. And I remember the moment of sitting on the bleachers, putting my basketball down, and stopping and saying, God, feeling the pressure of my life, what do you want me to do with my life? I want to do what you want me to do with my life. And like the book title, Surprised by the Voice of God, I was truly surprised. One, I didn't know what it would feel like. Two, I did not expect what he was saying. And I like to get practical on this because the voice of God sounds very impractical. But into my mind five words that were not a part of my thought or my thought process at the time came barging into my mind like an intruder, but an invited intruder. What do you want me to do with my life, God? I heard, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Something had already been revealed in Scripture. Jesus made very clear, and I was very familiar with it, and what I wanted from him was to tell me where to go to college. He didn't give that to me. So we see his voice is on his terms. We have to be open and willing. And 20 years later, that word still resonates in my heart and in my life. And all that I do is I think about different decisions or what my family would do or I'll do this here and there. I know at my Savior and Lord's heart is that I learned to love like he loved. And he has given me specific direction in my life and led me in so many beautiful ways by his voice, and I believe in that. And if you need that in this place this morning, I believe God wants to give that to you. He wants to do that. But that foundation for me that I know at his heart, this is his will for me that I learned to love like he loved. And so this is where I see the effect of the Holy Spirit's voice in the believer is to be brought and made into the image of Jesus and brought into the mission of Jesus. You, we see it all throughout the New Testament as we start with Acts and we move into the New Testament letters. We see God's voice forming people into the image of Jesus by uniquely revealing to them his love and his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We beholding the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces are changed from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so he forms us into the very image of Jesus to learn to love like he loved by receiving uniquely in our life as we go the revelation of his love for us and the revelation of his glory 
but it's also continuing the mission of Jesus. As we see it in Acts, if you read through Acts, the voice of the Holy Spirit is constantly continuing the mission of Jesus on earth through our partnership with him. He has chosen it to be that way. He could do it another way, but he does not want to. The voice of the Spirit leads us into partnership, into what Jesus is doing on the earth in our spheres of influence, in our, and as we step out of our house, as we go to work, as we go anywhere, to specific people in specific places. He has specific people for you. He has specific um, appointments for you. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to obey? Let's look at a scripture example. Acts 8, 27 through 29. If you want to turn there, I've got it on the screen. This is a story of Philip, who is not an apostle. Later, it was called that he was an evangelist, but he was a person filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And an angel told him to go down to a certain place. And in verse 27, we read, He rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet of Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And it continues on where Philip obeys. He steps into the chariot. He's reading Isaiah 53, and he, Philip explains to this eunuch the gospel through Isaiah. What I love about this is the Spirit speaks directly to Philip, and Philip obeys, but the Spirit doesn't keep telling him what to say. Philip uses his own intelligence, his own knowledge, his own understanding of the gospel that he had learned through looking into the scriptures, and he expounds this and steps into this ministry opportunity because Jesus saw that eunuch, the Lord God saw that eunuch, and wanted him to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. And he invited Philip to partner with him in seeing that happen. They said they went away rejoicing. When we read the Bible as a myth or not related to a circumstance or experience that I could have, what we subconsciously say is, oh, that was for a different time in a different place. And I have to agree with you. It was for a different time in a different place, but it's not a different God. You're at a different time in a different place in relationship with the same God who interact and moved in these ways in Scripture that we read. And his desire for you is not to just read about them, but to step into them. The application of this story as we read in Acts 8 is not that whenever you see a eunuch on a chariot reading a scroll to go and join the chariot. I don't know if any of you guys have been able to obey that scripture yet. No hands raised. The application is not that we do that. It's that we see that apart from the Holy Spirit, nothing happens in the book of Acts. F.F. Bruce says, in all the book, there is nothing which is unrelated to the Holy Spirit. Nothing. So if we want to continue, if we want to be authentic reflections of biblical Christianity, which we do, we look at the book of Acts and see the Holy Spirit in operation in all things. After that moment, in, I was 17 years old. Fast forward in my life. 
I did not continue to seek the voice of God. I don't know why through a mess of um, worries and cares and desires for my own um, things as a teenager, um, I still loved Jesus and followed him, um, but I did not continue to pursue hearing that voice of God. And then um, we came to Houston, Texas, my wife and Kara and our family, and we stepped into a little place called Hope Church. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, and I stepped in and uh, heard a, a man named Peter Swan preaching. And I remember vividly how many times we'd be in the book of Acts, and he says, the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly, it was in quotes. The Holy Spirit spoke so clearly, it was in quotes. And I had not heard good teaching on this. I had had one experience, but I had not heard good teaching. But more importantly, I had not been around a man who had practiced it the way that Peter did and the way that he led our church. And so I am incredibly grateful that you're here this morning, and it's a gift um, to get to think about these stories. And so it was through that encouragement and through that stirring that God wanted this interaction with me, wanted to speak directly, that I continued to pursue it. And I remember one day um, when I was waiting for a car to be fixed. My car was fixed in the morning. I had to go to work, but I was waiting to be fixed, and I was reading, surprised by the voice of God. And again, I was stirred, and my faith was stirred to believe again, that God wanted to interact in these specific ways in my life. And so I got my car back from the shop. I finished reading the book, um, and I was sitting in my car, and it was lunchtime. I was going to go to lunch before I went to my workplace. And before I went out um, and turned the car on to go, I, I stopped and like, God, do you want to tell me where to go to lunch? <laughs> in childlike faith, not exactly sure or thinking that he would speak. I asked him, I said, Jesus, where do you want me to go to lunch? If he was going to speak, I expected him to say salada, and then I would say, God, I don't have $25 for a salad, and I don't, <laughs> don't want to do this. But he didn't say that. To my surprise, again, immediately as I asked the question, into my thoughts, and let me tell you, this was not a part of my thoughts, came Burger King came the two words, Burger King. And I was like, what? What good can come out of Burger King? <laughs> and so, but right after that, I got more words continuing. There will be one man eating there, and he's in a crisis moment in his life, and I want you to go and tell him to draw near to me and don't stay far away. I see you. So I map on my uh, maps, on my way to work, what's the closest Burger King? And I pull up to that Burger King. I step at it, noon o'clock, lunchtime. There is one person in this Burger King, and he is sitting in the back left corner. I get my food, and I sit down, and like a man planning to rob him as he leaved, I creepily stared at him <laughs> from time to time as I ate my food. And he went, got up, went to get an ice cream cone before, you, before he left, walked out the door, and I get up like a man planning to rob him and follow him out of the Burger King. And I step out and I, I was nervous and I was fighting God the whole time. I said, uh, do you believe in God? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I told him, 
told him, God told me to come to this Burger King, that you would be in a crisis moment, and he wants you to draw near, and he sees you, and he loves you, and he doesn't want you to stay far away. And immediately tears come into his eyes. Um, and he immediately begins to tell me his story, the most painful thing about his story. I don't know this man. <laughs> and I'm talking immediately. He tells me about the abuse that he went through as a child. Immediately he dives into his story. And then he tells me two days prior, he was in a low moment and had too many beers and was in his house alone. And in that moment of honesty, supplied by beer, he cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, I need you to show me. That was a while ago, and I haven't told that story in a while. And it, um, what's the foundation of this? The foundation is God wants friendship with us. When I encountered that moment with that man, I encountered the heart of Jesus, and I grew closer to him. I saw him more clearly. And that man was loved by Jesus, and that is what he is about, to seek and save the lost, to bind up the brokenhearted, to break the chains of oppression that the enemy has laid on the world. And when I partnered with Jesus in that moment, it was such a sweet time of friendship. God's desire is that we step into interactive, loving, and intimate friendship with him to know him. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that you know the true God and Jesus Christ whom, whom he sent. And that word know there is not head knowledge. That's relational, experiential knowledge of a person like you know a friend. This is his desire for us. John 15, 15, it'll be on the screen. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Many of us revert back or have never known how to relate to God other than a hired servant to get our instructions and to go away and do our tasks. But he wants more for us than that. He wants a love relationship with friends and sons and daughters who experience his love, learn to love him, and learn to love the things that he loves and who want to do what he wants to do. He doesn't want a hired hand to do what he says, but he wants sons, daughters, and friends to want to do what he wants to do. Ezekiel 36 is a prophecy about the spirit that would be given, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This doesn't say I will put my spirit in you as a whip to drive you into obedience. It says he gives us a new heart that longs to walk in his ways. Since this is the case, it means that friendship with God doesn't always mean we need a word from the spirit to obey him. I don't need a word from the Spirit to know whether I should be harsh with my wife 
or be ethical in my business or share the gospel or care for the poor. I don't need a direct word from the Spirit to do that because as his friend, I know what he wants. I know what he loves. My wife, I can tell you, definitely does not want to tell me to do the dishes every time. I do the dishes. Does she? I don't know. Don't ask her. Um, she would prefer that I do it without asking. She does not want to have to ask me to plan a special date night for her. I do those things because I live with her, because I know her, and because I love her. Yet, any real friendship will include unique and specific communication. If there is not communication, it's not a good friendship. If it's one-way communication, it's not a good friendship. It's not the only thing included in friendship, but it's not less than that. There are different friendships, like myself with my children, or my wife, or friends with you guys, there are different categories of friendship. And the category of friendship with God is a certain category that is unique, but friendship nonetheless. Even though servant is used in a good connotation all through the New Testament, that is in reference to the category of friendship. He has authority. It's his way on his terms. But let's step back and really think about that. Friends with the God of the universe I'm going to show you a picture, if that's okay. We'll see. There it is. Those, it's not a fake picture. It's a real picture of galaxies. <clears throat> um, it's from the James Webb Telescope. <clears throat> uh, if you took a trip at light speed to the very edge of our solar system, we live in a solar system. If I'm not getting this right, someone will tell me afterwards. We live in a solar system. Um, traveling at the speed of light, it takes 1.87 years to get across our solar system. Do you know how fast the speed of light is? I'm asking, I don't know, actually. Um, it's really, really fast. I know that it's very fast, and it's that big, and yet we live in the Milky Way galaxy, which is 100, over 100,000 years at the speed of light to get across. If you held up a grain of sand at arm's length, standing on planet Earth, that grain of sand would be the field of view of that image you see. Thousands of galaxies. The best estimate we have is over a trillion galaxies. I don't know how big you feel right now. But I felt the weight of that. And I felt that doubt creep into my life. How could a God that big that expansive care about my little, small life. This was a little bit before my Burger King story. I was exploring, trying to hear the voice of God walking in my life. I was on a sales call, and I remember vividly, um, before I um, stepped into that meeting, I got a call from my dad that my mom had just had a heart attack. I was in my 20s. Thankfully, my mom is fine right now. Um, but it was the first time I had, had to face the reality um, of someone that close to me dying. I'd never experienced that before, and it hit me so hard. And I remember vividly driving on the Beltway, going back to my office, and seeing thousands of cars pass me by with hundreds of thousands of people. And I couldn't shake 
the feeling, how could God care about this situation in my life? There are millions of people. And I'm like, God, I need a word from you. And I, the faintest whisper, it was not clear like it was back in that, that day at 17 years old. It was, have you not heard? Have you not heard? And I, and I was like, I don't know if that's my thought. God, I don't know if that's you. If it is you, that's not, it's not that helpful right now. Um, and so I didn't know what to do. But before I got to the office to pull over, get out my Bible, and continue in my Bible reading plan. That's all I had. So I got my Bible reading plan out, and I was in Isaiah 40. That was the day. So I pulled it up, and I'm reading, and I get to verse 27. It says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or get weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Have you not heard? And so again, I encountered the intimate, loving friendship of my Father and my Lord, who saw me, galaxies upon galaxies. He saw me. And he sees you, everything. And he cares about you, loves you more than I could tell you this morning. So what's more important is the testimony of Scripture, is that the God of the universe cares about little old us throughout the testimony of scriptures. And actually the testimony of scripture is that for God, the smaller, the better. The people he used the most were the most looked over. David, a man after God's own heart, the son of David was to be the Messiah. And the prophet Samuel was to go to David's dad and say, bring me all your sons, we're gonna anoint one king. And so he brings them, his sons, except for David, and the prophet goes through each one, and he's like, Jesse, do you have any more sons? He's like, oh, no, I, oh, yeah, no, we've, I've got one more. You want to talk to him? And so they bring David, who is tending sheep, the shepherd in the field, and they bring in, and God anoints him as king. If you feel this morning that you are the least qualified to be a friend with God, let me be clear, you are most likely at the top of his list. Jesus himself made this abundantly clear. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He went and found the least. He said, I want you. I want you. The other thing that we see as we look at these galaxies is that this God, this Lord, this Jesus... As it says in Hebrews, he upholds, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is not someone we invite into our life to be our assistant. We don't invite him as an add-on to our life. He is Lord of the universe. Yet, he wants us to be close. To invite Jesus into our life to be an optional add-on when we need him or our assistant will only lead to increasing frustration on the journey of wanting to hear his voice. If we are not surrendered to what he wants for our lives, 
or to what is already revealed in the scripture, our pursuit of his, his voice will probably discourage us. We have to be surrendered to the reality that he is good and he has good plans for us and his life and his journey and his path is the one that we were meant for. But we have to submit to him. And when we pursue this friendship and this relationship without that submission, we usually encounter great frustration until we give up. And we find him embracing us in kindness and grace and leading us into life and life abundant. So we have to settle two things. He truly loves us and wants to speak to us. A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about us is what comes into our mind when we think about God. And I think in this situation, it's very true. If as a follower of Jesus, your view of God as a disappointed father or disgruntled, quick-tempered judge, it will be very hard to want to draw near to him. But in this journey, we ask him for help. Help us to see you as you really are. So we draw near to him and find him to be truly better than we can imagine. The other thing is we must be surrendered to his plans and lay ours at his feet. Believe that he loves us and not invite Jesus into our life and into our plans, but to step into his plans and his life. So what do we do? We ask this next slide, I just have four things quickly of what we do. We ask and we keep on asking. God wants to reveal himself to us. And if we have tried to hear the voice of God, we've been discouraged. He tells us, keep going. He wants to speak. I remember one night laying in bed. And I don't know why, but I asked, God, will you show me your glory? I fell asleep. And I remember waking up in a vision or a dream, and it was an immense ocean, and I was drawn down into the vastness of it, and I couldn't see the bottom. And I woke up terrified because I knew that was not from the enemy. I knew that I was seeing a glimpse, a re revealing of the immensity of God. But the moment I got out of my bed, in my mind was another clear picture, which was I knew to be Jesus at the feet of one of his disciples washing his feet. And I saw the beautiful glory of God and the immensity and yet he comes down low to people like us. He came to serve. The other thing is quality time. If we want to learn to hear his voice, quality time. For those who don't know, I'm bivocational, so out of this, uh, outside of this um, time and, and some other time set aside, most of my work hours goes to a business here in Houston and I had to go to on a business trip to North Carolina uh, to meet one of my customers. And I had, um, uh, I was going to meet them for lunch. And the unique thing about this is I had been talking to them on the phone for literally years. And I never saw their face. I didn't know what they looked like. So I got to the lunch place and it was two ladies. I was like, what, how am I going to do this? Um, I don't know what they look like. I'll probably text them. And I was, I was walking into the restaurant these two ladies were walking in, their backs were turned to me, and I heard their voices, and I immediately knew. It was them. I'd never seen their face, but I knew their voice so well. 
because I had spent so many hours talking to them on the phone. And this is God's desire for us. If we want to hear his voice, he's calling us to eliminate the noise and distraction and spend time with him so we can learn to hear what his voice sounds like. The other thing is time in scripture. If we want to hear his voice, we spend time in his revealed word. We spend lots of time every day. We spend time in scripture. And a quick plug is memorizing, committing scripture to our heart is so powerful. Just one quick story on that. I was going through a time of um, a lot of spiritual warfare and having trouble sleeping and just having a lot of um, what I felt like demonic dreams and just a lot of fear as I was going to bed. And the verses of Psalm 91 became so precious to me. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Most High. Will abide in the shadow of the God Almighty, rather. Will abide in the shadow of God Almighty. So that verse was so important to me. But what you realize when you hide God's word in his heart, the Holy Spirit uses it as ammo to surprise you when you least expect it to speak. And one day I was out walking with my two-year-old daughter at the time, and she was barely walking, stumbling down the sidewalk, very vulnerable, um, prone to being fall- falling over. And as I was walking, all of a sudden this verse comes into my mind. He will abide in the shadow of the God all-powerful, El Shaddai. And it was late in the day, and I looked down, and my daughter was draped in my shadow. And as she was tottering, I see he will abide, he will live in the shadow of the Most High. And as my vulnerable daughter was tottering down the sidewalk, I saw my shadow, her father, covering her. And though a strong breeze could have blown her over, she was okay, because I was not going to let her get past my shadow. I was going to be present with her. The Holy Spirit brought that scripture that was already in me into a very clear and real reality to me. He brought it deeper that he was with me. He was powerful and he was near. Lastly, simply to be available to partner with him at any time. On that same trip to North Carolina, I was coming back wanting to rest before I got back to Houston. But I've been having this conversation with the Lord to be available to see where he's working And I'm sitting in an aisle seat with the middle next to me open. And I looked down the row of 20 people coming down that aisle. And I look and I see this young man, probably in his late 20s, walking towards me. And I knew he was going to be sitting next to me. I don't know why I knew. This is another way the Holy Spirit communicates. I knew he was going to sit next to me. And he comes and sure enough, he says, that's my seat, puts his bag up. I go, okay, God, I don't really want to do this, but what do you want here? And I just heard him say, just tell him you're a pastor. I knew he was going to ask me what I did for a living. God told me, you're going to tell him you're a pastor. No business stuff, none of this small talk. Oh, what do you do for business? Boring, boring, boring. Um, No, and so he sits down. 30 seconds later, what do you do 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 in Houston? I'm a pastor, and then I shut up. He goes, oh, cool, 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 cool. It was like the cool that wasn't cool. And immediately he opens up his story to me. We, I ask him, and he's like, what's your, what's your story there? And he tells me about his experience growing up in Catholicism and then um, harm done to him or just disillusionment done to him at a Christian college. And he had, he had given up on this God 
And we had the most amazing, easy, beautiful conversation about Jesus for an hour and a half from Dallas to Houston. Um, and it was um, almost like it was too easy because he has appointments for us, people for us to step into, and it is by his spirit and not our power or our words or our um, discerning of what to do and say he is there with us. The thing that is amazing in these encounters is that I see immediately stepping into them the amazing compassion for Jesus but also the power of the Holy Spirit, not just to do things like healing, which, we, which I have seen God do, but the most amazing miracle is that in these experiences, he would open up conversations that would normally take years of relational capital in a moment because God wants to reach out to them. And again, this is that simple invitation for us in partnering with him in what he is doing. tell you one more quickly, and it's controversial, maybe controversial. You promise not to judge me if I tell you. Nobody said yes. All right, cool. Um, driving back um, from volunteering, getting gas near downtown Houston, guy walks up to me, homeless guy, assuming he wants to ask me for money. He says, hey man, you just buy us some beer, him and his friends. And I was kind of just a little bit surprised. I never had that forward of an ask. Just buy us some beer. So I was kind of laughing. I just let me, let me pump my gas. And I was not going to do it. Um, but then I got this weird sensation. It's, Holy Spirit, what are we doing here? To my best of my discernment, he wanted me to go get some beer and sit down with those guys. And I wrestled. And I said, I don't want to. I don't, this, this, this can't be right. <laughs> Went and got some Bud Light, most harmless beer I could think of. <laughs> there were four guys, I remember them. The guy asked me for beer, one guy whose mind was completely gone, a Hispanic guy and a white guy. Um, and I sit down with them, they offer me a beer. I said, I declined, it was Bud Light. So I declined and I, and I sat down with them on the curb. And to make the long story short, again, the miracle. God opened up a conversation, and as I shared, and as I talked about Jesus, there were a couple that wouldn't listen, but, but there were two that were locked in on what I was saying. And in fact, one of the, the, I remember vividly the Hispanic guy locking eyes with me, and someone interrupted me in the middle of talking about Jesus. He said, no, stop, stop. He's talking from his heart. He heard what I was saying. He heard the love and compassion of Jesus. The other guy, his teeth were all gone. He started telling me about how he got addicted to meth, how he was still on meth. He was completely honest with me. He shared with me in tears the pain he was going through. And I got to sit and pray for him and lay my hands on him and pray and ask for healing for this man. And in that moment, I encountered again the amazing, beautiful compassion of Jesus for the hurting, the broken, and the lost because I had stepped into what he cares about most by his invitation. And when we think about that story, it's important. We know it's not prescriptive. We know the, the answer is don't go get some beer and go find a group of homeless guys to sit down and share the gospel. That would be unwise and almost definitely hurtful. The application is we don't know what he's doing, but he wants to tell us. 
He wants to show us, and he wants to invite us in. And it is a beautiful journey. And I lay before you the disclaimer at the, at the front. I wish I had listened, I, and I wish still in this moment, in this day, I would listen more. And sharing it with you, and encourage myself to continue it on more. I'd love the band to come up as we close. As we close, you thought that was the last story, but there's one more story. I told you at the front there was going to be a lot of stories, so don't get mad at me. Um, This story is, um, I want to share this because it teases Jordan's sermon next week, which is on community, how God speaks through community. But it also involves the direct voice of the Holy Spirit. And it also involves dear friend of mine and um, someone who's a part of our family here at Hope Church. Um, And it also reveals to us and reminds me of the type of person we're dealing with when we're dealing with the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of who our Father is and who our Lord and Savior is, how kind and loving, patient He is. It was in a time in my life a number of years ago, we were meeting at um, Love Presbyterian in, in Jersey Village, and I was in a rough spot. I was struggling, discouraged, not having victory over some sin, and just feeling really discouraged in my walk with God. It was so hard for me to grasp that He still loved me and forgave me, cared for me, accepted me, And I remember in those moments being so discouraged, saying, just, God, I need to see you. God, I need to see you. I'm not seeing you right now for who you are. I want to see you for who you are. But I couldn't get there. But you show up to church. Here's a a plug to show up for church. Just show up. I just showed up, and I walked into the foyer, and a not unusual thing happened, which was Bob Stroud met me with a hug. If you guys have had a hug from Bob Stroud, you know they are top shelf hugs. They're the best hugs. And I love Bob's hugs, but I was walking in discouraged and beat down. But unlike the normal hugs, Bob held on to me in that moment. He held on to me and he brought his face right by my ear. And he just said, You are so loved. You are so loved. And in the moment those words came out of his mouth, The Holy Spirit spoke into my mind, do you see me? Do you see me? You've been asking to see me. Do you see me? And I did. In the embrace of a friend and a mentor. With real words vibrating through the air. I saw my father. I encountered my Lord. In the middle, in in my mess, in my brokenness, said, do you see me? I'm right here. In the words of your friend, a real person, God revealing himself and his love and his tenderness. And I want that to be clear that we do not graduate into a certain level of a spiritual elitism to hear the voice of God. He is ready to reveal his love for us. He is ready to lead us into his work and what he's doing. He's ready, and what he sees is the heart. He doesn't look at your resume. He sees your heart, and he wants you to come nearer and closer. Are you tired of just 
doing your best and trying to do the right thing for God. In this discipleship journey, there will be obedience to Jesus, but not like a hired servant, like a friend and a son. This is not an invitation to become spiritually fake or be someone you're not. We still have got to go pump gas, do work, take tests, do homework. But we are normal people filled with the spirit of the living God to be witnesses to Jesus on earth. The experiences of the Bible were never meant to stay in the Bible. We were meant to carry them on because he's the same God and he's alive and he's writing his story and he wants us to join him. It may be scary and difficult, but it is the abundant life that he promised and he will lead us there. As I pray, we're gonna have um, prayer partners come up the front. If you just want more, if you want more in your relationship with God, you want to enter into this deeper friendship that God wants for us, come get prayer. You don't have to know what to say. Come get prayer. If you want more and you just want to kneel at the front here in recognition of your desire for more of him, do that. But come get prayer. Father, thank you that you are better than we could imagine. Your compassion goes deeper. Your glory is more than we can conceive of. And we need you to reveal yourself to us. And we want to join you in what you're doing. We do not want to settle for a life of comfort and ease. We don't want to settle for what this world has to offer us. We want to step into what you have for us. So Holy Spirit, will you speak in this moment? Will you do what you want to do? Amen.